TV Soup, Episodes 7 and 8 of Marvel's Daredevil on Netflix on the Drink 5 Network. I finished the beer too early, Dave. My apologies. It could be considered a good thing. It was too good of a beer. It really was. But there's more. So welcome to the Drink 5 TV Soup Podcast. Tonight we're going to talk about episodes 7 and 8 of Marvel's Daredevil. It's on Netflix. Um, We've been totally digging this show lately. Um, But before we jump into the show, Dave, I must, instead of asking you what you're drinking, I'm going to ask myself what I'm drinking what I just finished drinking, anyways. It's the Ballast Point Dorado Double IPA. Freaking awesome beer. An Imperial India Pale Ale. Uh, 10% ABV. Um, it does remind me of a uh, Hop Slam of the West, if you will. Although Hop Slam is much sweeter because of the honey, but this is a super smooth drinking IPA that is 10%. And now we can move on to. So the next beer that uh, we're talking about here is is a fantastic beer that is an IPA. Uh, an IPA, really? We're drinking another IPA. That's awesome. It's <laughs> it's difficult for me to, to determine what the name of the actual uh, brewing company is. Yes, I, it's like a full beer. What's it called? It's called Beguile. Yes, it's the Beguile uh, Euchard. Midwest India Pale Ale. And they're from Chicago. Yes. And uh, we just recently did a podcast for fantasy football. Just recently. About 30 minutes ago. Where one of our esteemed guests, Sean Foss, uh, who lives in Chicago, was such a huge fan of this uh, brewery. So, Uh-huh. This is a beer I mean, made from the Midwest. So good. the hops come from Wisconsin and Michigan. What's it called again? The beer? Euchard. Okay. And look, he has a great Euchard hand. So, Euchard Tens and nines. by Beguiled. Yes. It's a really good beer. If it comes to you, please. Actually, by all means. It's a Euchard hand. I think. <laughs> I haven't played Euchard in a while. Well, we, Weren't tens like trump cards? We'll remedy that. Okay, we'll fix that. Anyway. Uh, so, Daredevil. Have you been just waiting to watch more episodes? Yes, I kind of wanted to do this last night. So as that we fast watch. as you can. I yeah. could have watched the next two episodes today. Right. We, we have been going through this very slowly, and now we are at uh, it's a good episode thing. It's seven It's a good thing that eight. we're doing it slowly. Well, we're doing it two at a time. And two at a time is not necessarily uh, a quick pace, but it's not a slow pace either. It's a good pace for a Netflix show. Netflix gives you everything at once, and I think that unless people go back and rewatch it, they miss some of the nuance of the show. They don't ponder the things happening in the show quite as much uh, when they just consume it all at once. So I like the way that we're pacing ourselves. We're going to watch it through seven weeks. It's pretty reasonable. So we're on uh, episode seven of season one, and let's talk about the opening credits. Before the credits even roll, we have a ninja. Uh, a couple ninjas. Well, probably just one. A ninja. Okay. He is stalking somebody and in like an office building in Japan. Some kind of like mid-level executive. He looks. He looks like he uh, is 
running away from something, but we're not really sure he's guilty at least of something. That 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 it's the kind of he's uh, afraid for his life. That's for sure. He's afraid, and he goes into an elevator, <laughs> which is a bad decision for people that are about to get decapitated. <laughs> you know, he waits at the elevator. Just ding, thinking ding. back at you know other shows that have decapitated people. Uh, if you're going to be decapitated, an elevator is probably a likely place for you to be in <laughs> because it makes for a good getaway shot. Okay. Anyway. Someone we, who's not afraid, who has to make a getaway but is cool about it. In this show, like, I didn't expect to see a ninja in an elevator. It was right. kind of bizarre. Seeing this this ninja talking to somebody, stalking them, like, sneaking in and beheading them was not something I expected. Okay. Going into the show. I'm not surprised when I, when I saw that. I was like, oh, cool. Like, it didn't take me as uh, something that was out of place in this show. You say, oh, cool, when people get, you know, beheaded. No, I say, oh, cool, when a guy fires six shots into an, an apparently empty elevator car when he knew that somebody was coming down to kill him, and then the guy's not there. Uh-oh, what does he do? And the guy just chops his freaking hand off with the gun. Well, I, That was a cool move. True. However... I mean, you must have seen a lot of Game of Thrones to be kind of desensitized to the kind of... I may or may not have rewatched Game of Thrones every single year that it's been out. <laughs> so this guy is stalking someone in an office building in Japan. I thought he, for a second you were going to say that I was stalking Game of Thrones. No, no, no. I mean, if it was stalkable. <laughs> if I could stalk a television show. I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past I probably you. would be. By the way, we recommend Game of Thrones if, if no one has uh, gotten to that. <laughs> uh, but <clears throat> but so he is asking about Black Sky and he finds out that it was taken to New York City. Um, yeah, and you have no idea what Black Sky is, but it sounds very, uh, you know ominous and threatening right like it's some kind of super weapon we don't know the ninja is blind until after the middle-aged looking office guy has been decapitated right so it's kind of right before he decapitates him it's afterwards so it's cool that uh they kind of unveil the character after what happens okay but i don't know that you know that he gets decapitated I mean, they didn't, like, show a head rolling or anything. It was just kind of, like, slice him in the, you know, neck or something. Or in the chest. All right, well, fair enough. Uh, what he does do is slice off his hand earlier. I guess what the- I'm thinking of is, in Game of Thrones, they show you those decapitations. They show the head rolling away. I don't know. We don't have to compare it to Game of Thrones. So the hand is off. The The neck may or may not be off. But the point is, the guy was The chopping much- off of the hand, I suppose, got me into the Game of Thrones in the first place. Okay, well, Game of Thrones or not, the whole chopping and, and eliminating of limbs things happened here in the elevator. Right. And, and this particular uh, blind ninja was able to take the information he needed and get out of there. I guess that's what we really are interested in. Sure. So, it's kind of a good way to unveil the character, being Stick. And uh, there's parallels there, of course, as soon as they reveal by zooming out the camera on the ninja that he's blind. 
Right. And you can tell right away because he's got the foggy eyes. Um, so that's a fun twist. But it, it you're like, oh, this makes sense because the main character is blind in this show. So, of course, being blind in this show is going to mean something more than it would in any other show. Right. And Matt wastes no time in going after the next bad guy in line, who's Leland Owsley. Uh, in the last episode, he found out who it was that was taking all the money, you know, uh, uh, being maybe the next step up that he was looking for. The accountant for the whole operation. So what happens after he meets the accountant? Uh, so he's kind of sloppy. He's trying to get information out of him, um, but... He stick is actually in the parking garage, and he hears the stick walking around with his stick, and um, you know he gets distracted and he gets tasered. Uh, so very sloppy on Matt's part. So let's talk about stick a little bit. He he reveals himself a little bit after that, and he kind of wastes no time mocking Matt and his inability to to get the person that he was after to say anything. Right. And, and of course, being tasered, it's just terrible in his eyes. So tell us a little bit about how Stick feels about Matt in that moment. Um, well, you know, obviously he, as we learn later on in the episode, like he did form a deep bond with Matt uh, in the time that he was training him. But... Uh, he's sort of disappointed, I suppose, that uh, a banker got the best of him, you know, in a situation like that where he should have been able to be in control the entire time. Yep. So, so Stick found him when he was very young, and he found him at an, at an orphanage. And I'm not sure exactly, like, what was his cost? Do you remember that? Uh, well, whatever it was, it was made out to cash. So he actually got paid to take him, to to train him, to to like help him. I don't think that the orphanage had a direct relationship with whatever it was that he wanted to do. He didn't take him from the orphanage. Matt still stayed at the orphanage. It was because Matt like would just lay in his bed, like convulsing at all the like sensory overload. He trained him how to actually tame it and to use it to his advantage that was the secret behind stick well i kind of thought he adopted him but maybe i'm wrong then. no because he just left left him one day and it, otherwise matt there'd be like a whole thing about matt being left out on the street but that, that i don't think that's what happened i think yeah, you're right. he was still at the orphanage so so what's up with that well i don't know i mean it makes sense that he went to an orphanage and the Link, you know, in the religion, I think it's just sort of being used uh, as, like, easy symbolism here. Uh, and there's not really a whole lot more to it. Um, you know, they showed him, like, going to church early in the series. And this may come back again one more time later in the series. Uh, especially because he's called Daredevil. He's the devil of Hell's Kitchen. Uh, so that's just all, you know, a running theme through it. Of course, he would be at, you know, a Catholic orphanage. Yeah. Well, uh, there were problems with that uh, tutelage, as you can surmise. Well, yeah, they had, when he was growing up, no idea how to, you know, tend to a kid who was freaking out like that. However, it, it, it's obvious the amount of skill that Stick has, you know, used in his senses to kind of see the world around him. So 
he brings Matt to a park bench, for example, real early on, and and has him has him uh, taste some ice cream. Yeah, and in his own ice cream cone, he says how he can taste the particular dairies that the milk was taken to three different dairies in two different states and the the chemistry and chemicals that have uh have happened along the way as well as the dirt on the hands of people handling the individual ingredients of his ice cream cone (laughs) so because he was gardening so obviously we know we know he has an, an incredibly astute uh you know amount of senses here Right, he's honed them incredibly well. Which, going back to the beginning of the podcast, it's hard to believe a little bit. It's hard to believe, you know. If if these people don't have any actual, like, mutant powers or something, something along the lines of Superman or whatever, you know, then the ability for me to believe that they can determine, like, one chemical from another on an ice cream cone in one single lick is a... Very difficult thing for me, uh, as far as TV series, you know, it's hard to 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 say I can I can believe that no problem. Well, I mean, I think it's kind of a case where they're taking a phenomenon that actually does happen, where people who are blind have enhancements to their other senses, and taking it a a couple of steps further. You know, taking it one or two steps further. Uh, wouldn't necessarily result in tasting the periodic table of elements in your lick of ice cream. (laughs) But, you know, maybe the wisest old man who's done this in his entire life can finally figure that out. Very good point. But Matt has said, like, he can smell the copper in the air when someone's bleeding and hear ribs rubbing against each other if they're broken. So we should assume, I think, that that he can... He can smell and hear and whatever, like whatever's happening. Yeah, and the stuff that he was uh, hearing, you know, wouldn't necessarily be too crazy. Like he could hear a dog growling and he knows that the dog is interested because he can smell a, uh, the dog's stomach is growling, I should say, because he can smell a hot dog, you know, stuff like that. Well, it's, it's great that Stick wants to train Matt and pass on the abilities, although Stick lets on early that he is being trained for a war that is yet to come. Did you did you catch that part? I did the- catch it. They didn't. Uh, they reference it once more, but they don't ever really elaborate it. Elaborate on that, right? Uh, to the point where we learn it. But obviously, it's got to have something to do with uh, whoever it is that Stick ends up reporting to at the end of the show, or uh, you know, maybe whatever is going on with Fisk and the Yakuza and bringing in Black Rain, right? And and when Stick goes back to Matt's house, he. Well, he rails into Matt because he believes that nobody should become soft. And he's in the apartment. He's looking at, you know, the relationships that he's been in. I like how you said he's looking at. (laughs) (laughs) The the silk sheets he has on his bed. Well, he knows just based on on, on being so badass, you know. But regardless, uh, it's basically all the things that that he thinks are making, making Matt soft. Right. And and he looks His at friends. him, and he basically says, "You are being too soft. You can't exist this way. This isn't going to work." Right. Uh, he knows that if you're going to live uh, the kind of life that I've trained you for, 
then you can't have these people because they will weigh you down. And you can clearly see the link between that and the moment Matt starts expressing some sort of affection towards Stick when he's training him and has to, and just immediately drops everything and leaves. That's sort of the lesson that he's te- the final lesson he teaches them is that you have to cut your ties with the people who care about you. Yep, and after they actually uh, confront each other on a physical side, like they really have a, a good uh, you know back and forth. Blind guy fight. <laughs> But what happens is that Matt actually overtakes Stick, and uh, by using a well, stick. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, let's go back to Foggy and Karen. And so, what's happening in this episode is that is that Karen is is trying to pursue her uh, her basically weekly uh, production into this. What would you describe it as? Uh, a sort of case she's building. Yeah. So, but she has nothing to do with the government. She she has no like investigative reporting now. But she has a lot, to, you know, invested in it because they tried to frame her for murder and then tried what to would murder you, her. What would you call her? I would call her a victim. <laughs> but she's trying to be in like an investigative reporter. Right. She's trying to be. But an she's, investigator. she doesn't have those skills. No, but she's working with smart people who can help. So who's she working with? Well, she's working with Ben, who is an experienced investigative reporter. She's working with Foggy, who is a lawyer. Now Matt is involved in helping them. So she's got good people on her side. And the, Matt but gives they're not, them all very good advice. But they're not all, sh- they're not all actually working for this. <clears throat> they don't know half of them right now. They don't all know the entire story. Matt doesn't know everything that Ben and Karen know. Uh, this whole series, started to be she's been trying to get them to to like build up a, a relationship with all these people that have dealt with what what she was. She has the link between everything. She's, she's still trying, trying to prove it. Yeah, she suspects it. She's trying to prove it, and now everyone else is starting to buy into it. Matt clearly wants to connect the dots. Ben needs better proof. Foggy, I think, just wants to do whatever he can to help Karen. But she's kind of. Like forming this into something that it that is going on. She is around the genesis her. of it, absolutely. Right. And 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 no one at the beginning of the episode would have suspected that because it only looked like she was just doing whatever she needed to do to stay afloat. No, I like the character of Karen. Uh, she isn't just one dimensional at all. We're not supposed to know that she does all this stuff. I mean, we see Foggy, and uh, we'll talk about that later. Um. But not every single person involved in the series is involved with Karen. But they are. They don't know it, but they are. Wilson Fisk doesn't know it, but Karen is after him. <laughs> well, she doesn't know it either. She doesn't know it either. You're right. But she's there. All right. Well, we might as well just kind of zoom through this. So it seems like. Uh, it seems like. Like most comic book series, find themselves at the docks from time to time. I mean, so much. I get it. People are always shipping everything, <laughs> and and half the time that has a lot to do with what happens in comics. But you know, we talk about the black sky, the bringer of shadows, as referred to earlier. That's really just a little boy. At one point, stick. 
takes aim at the kid with a bow. But Matt notices his actions, and he's able to deflect the arrow before it gets to its intended target. And Daredevil also gets a new weapon. He gets a pair of wooden batons that Stick gives to him. I mean, literally, come on, surprise. Stick reveals later at Matt's house that he had already killed Black Sky and that it wasn't a kid, but it was a weapon. Unrelenting in his belief that killing is necessary, Matt attacks Stick and is this time able to take him down. And this is what we were talking about earlier. For the first time in history, perhaps between the battles of Matt and Stick, he was able to take him down. And Matt is furious right now because because Stick just told him that he destroyed someone, that he killed someone. It was not only a weapon, but a child. Right. That he knew as a child, that he saw as a child earlier at the docks. And that's exactly what he told him that he didn't want to do. Right. You can't kill anybody was the deal. And it wasn't, you know, Stick didn't think of it as a person is the way that he looks at it. He's like, that's not a person. That's a weapon that is not going to be used. So, you know, there's an interesting uh, dimension here that we don't really know too much about yet. And I want to know more about who Stick was talking to at the end. Oh yeah, and we're not we're not specifically introduced to that person, but he is revealed at the end of the episode. He's basically like a a big, big bodied, scarred person. Enormous. That's that's kind of at the one end of the video, and you see at the other end Stick, and and this guy is asking. Basically, you know, without without exact terms, if Matt Murdock would be able to handle something that was huge. If he's ready for what's to come. And what did Stick say? A very f- Stick, in typical, you know, Frank Stick fashion, he just says, I don't know. Um, I have no idea. And it, you know... It, I what I like is the way that we kept comparing Stick to uh, the other character that the same actor plays in The Leftovers, which was Kevin Garvey Senior. Um, so they felt like uh, the characters would have acted the same in the worlds that they were dropped into. Um, but well, I'm not sure about that, but you know, <laughs> it was they're both very odd fun. characters, right? They both they both are special in their own way. <laughs> so I thought it was a great episode. It really showed a lot about how Matt actually knows how to do a lot of the things that he can do, because before we just like could hear him like, oh, he can hear somebody across the room, you know, but now it's like you can make out everything, and he had somebody teach him how to do that over I don't know six months, three months, I don't know how long. He was actually training him for, but it had to be at least a certain amount of time. It's a tough episode. A decent amount of time, I should say. So, episode eight, all about Fisk. Every good superhero show is made because of the villains. Absolutely. 
it's not just about the superhero. It's not about how many things he can break down with his fist. It's not about you know, how many people he can save by being within his shield. It's about how terrible and how crazy the villain is. It really, all of our superhero stuff, from Superman to uh, uh, Spider-Man to, you know, any any kind of superhero. X-Men especially. <laughs> the X-Men especially, yeah. Well, they have great villains in X-Men. You're right. Recurring villains. When you have, like, regular characters as recurring villains, I mean, those guys are awesome. Magneto, one of the best comic book villains there are. True. And the point is, you you probably have less of an expectation if you are a fan of a series. If the superhero is not able to break down that supervillain at a high level. So, I mean... Let's say you are uh, you are super uh, reticorn, you know, and there was a. <laughs> this is a terrible, terrible way. <laughs> <laughs> you lost me. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna take it over. Okay, <clears throat> we'll edit this part out. So let's say that you were a, a superhero, and and the supervillain had nothing to do with you, like it wasn't affected by you. Bullshit. They, the whole series doesn't mean anything. So that's pretty much how all this is. You just have to uh, defer to um, the things we've already seen. Because at this point, uh, us being fans of like superhero movies, we need to see something crazy. Do you, what do you think? Not necessarily. I appreciate the uh, sort of more real uh, approach to this series. I don't always need that. What I'm saying is, I think these shows that are coming up in the next couple of years, uh, they need to have a very good production value and need to be something that we don't regularly see on a regular basis. Okay, and it's certainly lived up to that. Yeah. And and so recently, anyway, our uh, superhero movies have been fantastic. They've been huge explosion fests. I think we'll both agree that in order to have anybody to have a big... Uh, you know, response to something. It has to be something that you haven't seen before. Okay, yes, absolutely. It yeah. that always helps. Right. When you see something new, you're going to have a much better, a much more uh, original response to it rather than seeing something over and over again. So, having seen the previous episode, for example, episode 7 of Daredevil, where Daredevil is, is having issues with uh, a lot of things. Um, and we're getting a lot of uh, you know exposition, uh, things that are happening in general. Why don't you just give us a little bit about what you think your journey through Episode 8 was? Because I have, to, I have to give you an honest answer here when I say that it takes more than like a day or two to go through this episode. This episode is crazy, and uh, like going through the emotional response of like this, like psycho killer, <laughs> should should probably take take some time to digest. Like a team sure. of people, you know what I mean? Look, I mean, you watch episode seven, and it's all about Matt's uh, upbringing, and we had a good idea of what Matt had gone through before that, and he had a, a good supportive dad. Obviously not a dad who was abusive in any ways. Um, 
and then we look at Wilson, uh, little Willie, and uh, he's got a dad who is trying real hard, uh, but basically seems like he wants to get on the city council for the kickbacks and the bribes. Uh, and uh, he's willing to take a huge risk and take money from a loan shark in right. order to uh, finance his campa- campaign. And when he doesn't win, things go bad. He takes it out on his family. Uh, and it's just, you know, the last, it's kind of the last straw for Wilson. Um, so clearly he had a much more, like, kind of screwed up upbringing, even though Matt was an orphan and went through all that other shit. Like, he had people who cared for, who cared, you know, for his uh, out upbringing, like, whatever was best for him most of the way. Most of his way through. When that didn't happen for Wilson at all. And I think they're just trying to link the fact that he can't shake his childhood uh, when it's something that Matt is clearly left behind. Well, we didn't we didn't get a lot of uh, grandparents or, you know, any congratulations for smaller things that were good. For whom? For Wilson. For Will, not at all. I mean, basically, after he kills his father with a hammer and then has to saw him up over eight nights. I'm not sure he really had a lot of uh, support behind him. Right, his mother didn't like stay with him. Yeah, and that really like maybe that screwed him up at least as much, if not more, uh, after a traumatic event like that to have your mother just send you away forever. Uh, that's really got to mess with his head a lot. Well, if you're going to, you know. Just be whatever it is you are, and and have your your best moment be, you know, something with your your mother, and directly after your father beats her, right, uh, and is going to beat you. I mean, I, I I would expect that you wouldn't do anything at all. So you would probably learn to like be the back end of the situation, right. Like you would learn to be, you would always want to be last. the secretive figure that he is, or or like not last, but just enough last to not be picked on. You would never want to be noticed, right? Is sort of his idea. Well, and and that's that's pretty, uh, you know, he right just wants on to fade away. He always wears black. It's right on the money. I think he wants to he wants to do something himself. He himself doesn't want to be noticed. Well, his dad kept saying, like, you should do this. You're going to run things. You're going to do this and that. Um, So he got pumped up a little, and he sort of felt a weird affection for his dad, even though he killed him. I think it obviously it's a screwed-up relationship. He both hated and revered his father at the same time. Yep. Yep, I agree. So the the one exception to, to that, to, like... That extreme hate for his father, etc., is is sort of the way that he he goes about his day every day, having an omelet, picking out his cufflinks, yeah, you know, doing the same thing all the time, making his morning routine the exact same, right? And uh, so, I, I got to tell you, the the weird thing about this for me is not him, but but Vanessa. <laughs> yeah. Because Vanessa is actually someone that went out on a date with him but didn't go completely crazy when the entire restaurant got up. She he... got scared but she didn't get scared away. It's like she knew what was going to happen. 
she was a little turned on by the craziness because she saw the power that he had. Yep. And uh, and the painting, one of the favorite things that I have from this past episode was the painting Rabbit in a Snowstorm is exactly the same as it was like the plaster design of the wall uh-huh. from the house when he was a kid. Yep. And he was staring at the wall. And you got to think that that was a punishment his his dad made him do more than just once. Yes, all the time his dad would have told him to stare at the wall while beating his mom, and this is the only time when he had actually acted oh, on it. I see. Okay, because what I kept thinking was whenever he was going to punish Wilson, he would make him stare at the wall. But whenever he's going to beat his mother, is when he makes him. He stare never at the beat wall. Wilson in the show. No, well, the punishment was that he had to stare at the wall. He never, he never struck. But you're right. Well, I, I wasn't saying that he hit him, but you're right. It was when he was going to go beat his mother that he made him sit and stare at the wall. It's emotionally more viable because it's, it's tied to his mother's reaction rather than him. And I, it's almost like he likes looking at that because he's sort of reminded of the moment in his life when he took control. The moment in his life when he took control was the moment in his life when he grabbed the claw hammer and dug it into the he skull looked away from of his the, father. He looked away from the wall and decided he had to do something about it. Yep, yep. So, but I want to talk a little bit about Melissa. So, I'm Vanessa. sorry, Vanessa. So, it, isn't it a little weird, right, that Vanessa has kind of continued this relationship more than she should have if she was just a regular person? Vanessa is clearly not a regular person. So. Uh, <laughs> I think we can eliminate that. Maybe she has the same kind of past, or may- maybe she's being controlled by someone else. Um, it's She's a plant? Well, I don't know. But basically, she it can be looked at pretty easily, based on these past episodes, that she has not only helped um, Wilson Fisk, he's, she's helped him like psychologically be Perhaps. better like in, in his brain like figure things out a little bit better but she may also be the guiding force behind getting certain emotions out of him and maybe one of his strengths was the lack of emotions because when mrs gao finds uh his you know residence and clearly that's something that he would have preferred to have kept secret and it's kind of like a power move on her where she does that um, he really freaks out and she sort of implies that he's getting weaker and that would imply that you know what has changed okay what has changed is not necessarily Daredevil screwing up some of his stuff but his relationship with Vanessa oh my god his entire being has changed yeah this this guy he's becoming a softie it's become so important in his life like we have seen this he makes an omelet exactly the same way every morning. He has exactly the same suit. He has exactly the same cufflinks. He has exactly the same interactions with people, like up to a certain point. So now that he has this woman in his life and that the Daredevil has shaken him up, both of those things have like given him a shock to the point where he is completely different to where he what he what once was. And now it basically has been given arrhythmia by uh, <laughs> by Daredevil. Now it doesn't mean that, that that it's going to to knock him off of his his laurels. 
because he could well just land on his feet. Well, he does make a power move at the end of the episode. Sure. The whole press conference. But he has a lot more there that's, that's available for him than Daredevil does. Well, clearly, he has the resources. He can show his face in public now. But this that's point, one of the things that uh, you know Daredevil, villains always use against masked heroes. But Daredevil saw a, a literal like weakened self happen after he did what he did. So, what's good for Daredevil? What's good for Matt Murdock is he is able to see that that Wilson Fisk has to flee after. He just like destroyed all of his basic, you know, uh, architecture in the city. Well, I mean, he blew up all the Russians' hideouts. He didn't destroy any of his own stuff. More than that, he destroyed cops. He destroyed uh, uh, his bases. He destroyed uh, multiple places where that guy would normally go. So that's why he had to flee the city. Otherwise, he would have stayed there. He had he had nowhere to stay. I mean, he had places, other places he could go. But literally, Daredevil destroyed the homestead in Hell's Kitchen. Oh, not really. I mean, he's still like very well established in Hell's Kitchen. I think that he's sort of Wilson would count it a wash at at worst for him, if not a net gain, because he's gotten out ahead of what's going on. Okay. Well, Vanessa is certainly guiding Fisk at this point, right? Uh, she's going to try, that's for sure. I don't know if she started guiding him yet. Really? Do you think the last things that she did were just, it randomly happened? She's enabling him. I don't know if she's guiding him. How would she not guide him from from that point to that point b- b- without actually realizing what it is she's doing? Well, she's not, like, he, he's... Making all kinds of intricate plans without her. She she realized who she was with. She realized who he was. Right. She's staying at his house. She likes the power. She's eating omelets with him. <laughs> she has listened to his inner thoughts and listened to the the innermost problems that he had. Like, yeah. at all. So you really think that Vanessa's working for someone else's team? Not necessarily. I think Vanessa has guided him to become more public and to try to scratch his bad image. Oh, sure. She's helping him with that. Well, that Definitely. is the important part here. Besides the fact that she knows that he also controls a lot of the governments locally. Right, and he has a ridiculous amount of money. She knows all those things, and she's still on his side in a sexual relationship. Well, he's sort of... So I must tell you... The bad things that he does, he kind of, uh, you know, passes them off as, well, they're only bad guys who I'm hurting. She is easily doing this for her benefit. Of course. And, And she could easily turn that around on someone else. Yeah, she isn't like a total do-gooder who just like thinks that he's uh, totally altruistic. No, she might even like him, but it doesn't matter because she knows because she's had multiple powerful people in the past, which is knowable by watching the show because she, she talks about. She yeah. told many times in the previous episodes about how she has gone out with multiple powerful people in you know 
the city before. Right. So she has been there. She has done that. Now she's going to try to control him and do what she wants to do to create what she wants. Sure. I mean, I... I think it remains to be seen if she's going to try and control him or just kind of enable him and go along for the ride. Um, but, you know, I definitely am anxious to see what happens next with them. Well, we have about uh, five episodes left. So we are incredibly excited to see them. Yes, I am pumped because uh, because we are done with this. It means I get to go watch more episodes of Daredevil. Whether or not it's for Vanessa's nefarious purposes, I uh, I guess we'll find out in the episodes yet to come. And I'll be watching the rest of the season's episodes with rapt attention. So you guys go ahead and, and get there on drink5.com. Check out our webcast and, and all of our reviews. And uh, thanks very much for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Drink5. Go to iTunes and subscribe to our podcast um, Drink on the Drink5 Network. We have the Retro Spectacle, TV Soup. Uh, we do a fantasy football podcast. We'll be doing a lot more of those uh, as the season is going to start. So thank you for joining us in Dave Drink5.